nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening and welcome to San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. I'll be your host tonight. Uh, my name is Harry and joining me is the birthday boy, uh, 29 still, uh, right, Rafa? Happy birthday yeah. to you, man. Yeah, 29, I'm legal. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> Barely legal, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you, hopefully you've had a, a good birthday uh, so far here and uh, thanks for uh, doing this uh, on your birthday here. I know birthdays on Mondays are... Uh, not a lot, you know, typically to do in the middle of a work week, but uh, no. do appreciate you hopping on here. So, last uh, high school show of the year, and we got some uh, some really good news to uh, talk about here. Uh, for that, here we got a couple of state champions, uh, you know, for that here in the area here. So, before we go in and talking uh, about um, each level here, just kind of your thoughts on, you know, the. Uh, state final up in Georgetown. Um, I made the comment in, in like I said here, I know you've echoed it before as well. Um, I would love to see them playing the state finals in a soccer specific stadium instead of on, you know, the, the high school football field in Georgetown. Um, not saying it's a bad complex, um, but you know, with McCullough park and I know it's not open yet, but McCullough park up in Austin, you're going to, or Q2 stadium, pardon me, Q2 stadium. Bold Stadium, Toyota Field, uh, you know, you got the Arlington Stadium where North Texas plays that, you know, you know, could house things. You've got over in Houston, you know, uh, you know, where the Dynamo play, uh, was it BBVA Stadium? Down in the Valley, you've got, you know, HEB Park. And, of course, you got Toyota Stadium up in Frisco. So there are lots of facilities to where you could put on a proper – uh, final in a soccer stadium, so that way you don't have to see football uh, lines going across the field here. But uh, that's my opening rant here, Rafa. How about yours? Uh, you know, uh, as far as for the uh, you know high school uh, UIL high school finals, and, and just uh, you know before we go into the breaking down, but the, just the uh, thoughts on this past weekend and, and really you know the playoffs overall. I think. Well, one thing is we're glad that we got to go to the finals because I think it was about this time last year that they canceled everything. So to be able to crown six new state champions was, was great. I know two of them were from our area, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, and then just one thing is that we didn't have any problems with, you know, with COVID, the teams forfeiting games during the playoffs, something that I know the high school football and some of the basketball teams had kind of had a dread for a while. So just a great year. I think this year, like I mentioned, like talking to Coach Cano, this is probably was one of the most exciting years for high school soccer. Mm -hmm. We can see 
a lot of more of the coverage, the excitement and so forth. And hopefully this momentum goes on to the next season. And, you know, I think this is one of the sports that needs to be recognized more, especially here in the, here in the state of Texas. And I would love to see, like I said, a final at a soccer specific stadium. Yeah. I don't like seeing 50, 40 yard line lines and, um, someone's end zone with their mascot or something. Hey, let's get, let's get the, you know, we have some quality fields that we can play our finals at, you know, if they can do it for the football finals, play at Cowboys stadium. Sure. It's like we can do the same thing for, you know, whether here at Toyota, you know, at Frisco. Stadium at Round Rock, you know, and I know um, they've got a nice little facility, yeah. you know, that, you know, I think would see, you know, I don't know how many show up, but, that would be the only question is, you know, how many people actually show up. But to me, like this year where I'm assuming attendance was down uh, compared to normal, just, you know, number one, the ticket prices, number two with COVID people still not traveling a whole lot no. um, for that here. I, I just, I think for UIL, they've got, um, they've got something that they could work with. They just got to be able to capitalize on it. And, and um, I know UIL looks at the dollars, um, you know, to me, I would like to see them. And, and I know they went, uh, for the finals on, was it the N and right in NHFS, uh, you know, sort of that I would like to see something like that, you know, whether it's through them or another type of a program mm -hmm. to where you could watch all the, all the rounds of the playoffs. Cause most of them are tell, you know, I think most of them are starting to get where, you know, they videotape them, um, you know, record them, you know, show them live. Um, I would like to see them make that investment, uh, you know, for that, even if it's like a my Kuju, uh, you know, along those lines here, uh, for that, that, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, semi pro teams use here, but let's get into, uh, the, uh, what happened this past weekend? We're going to start out with a, a local team, uh, you know, the 4A uh, boys, the Bernie Greyhounds, uh, you know, uh, getting a 3-1 win over Fort Worth, uh, Diamond Hills, Jarvis Eagles uh, there. Um, I know heading into uh, the finals here, uh, you know, Bernie was at 21-1-1 and, and, and Diamond Hills, Jarvis was at 26-4-2. Uh, your thoughts on, on the match here, um, your takeaway, you know, of, of a great Bernie team, uh, being able to bring the title back to the, you know, back, back to the, uh, San Antonio area. Um, what, what, what can you say about Bernie? Um, you know, this is their first title since 2006. Uh, and that's when coach Rogers was with the team. Uh, so they had a great, great run during the playoffs to knock off some some teams even blew out some teams that I thought probably would give them a challenge. And, you know, I wasn't too sure about this, you know, the Diamond Hill Jarvis team, you know, you know, how, you know, the, you know, kudos to them to make it to the final, but just watching the game, you know, Bernie was just at another level. They flexed their muscle. They got a goal in with the win with against the win. And then really they just never lost control of the game, maybe towards the end. I think Jarvis kind of figuring them out a little bit, and that's where they're able to get that gold. But you know, you know, kudos to the you know coaching staff at, at Bernie for you know an excellent run and getting that state title. So you know, it's a truly deserved. And like I said, congratulations to them. And one thing is, you know, that only loss that they have was to the 
to the new 6A state champions. Right, Lee, so three to one in the first game, and their only tie was to Austin Eastside as well, which I, th- yeah, I, then, I think they went for well, – I guess I should have double-checked it, but I think they were ones that went in the final or playoffs too, right? Yeah. Austin Eastside. And, and I think they invented that game, I think, too, as well. So, you know, kudos to them. So that's, that speaks violence for that program. Even though they're a 4A, you know, they were able to compete some of the, some of the bigger teams and so forth. Um, so, you know, I'm I think they they have a good squad coming back. Could I see yeah, them? Yeah, I'm only counting about four, four or five seniors compared yeah. like Diamond Heels. I know we kind of joked, you know, about their – you know, you know about their age a little bit. You know, just in some of the pictures, but they're running. They were running about ten. They were a very senior laden mm-hmm. uh, roster with you know just looking at a quick count here of about ten seniors compared to uh, Bernie that you know that had about the four to five if I counted correctly one two three one two yeah about four seniors on the roster here. So you know, depending on the talent that they lost, um, you know you you know. You know, you could see them making another deep run next year. Yeah, they're probably going to be the favorite going into next season. They'll probably be the number one team for four A. Um, so I, I think I think they can they can do it. I think they can repeat. Like I said, there'll be some other contenders out there. Um, you know, from other regions, like like I said, my my, I thought like a team like Palestine would have been in the final. That would have been a great game between the, a good test for. For Bernie, maybe we'll see them. Um, we got the, you know, we have Midlothian, mm-hmm. Heritage, the boys. They got a great program. Argyle, um, you know, even even that um, one of the teams that they beat, you know, seven to nothing, the Hidalgo team. They're related with with. Uh, with they were young, yeah. They were very young with a lot of freshmen, and so to be able to make to the regional final, you know, with that young talent, I think they may be the ones to to contend against Bernie, you know, next year. So. It's gonna be, like I said, it's gonna be great to see who who can step up against Bernie, try to challenge him for the state title next year. And Ralph, yes, uh, I have a uh, um, Austin uh, Las Verdes scarf on the wall. Yes, I, I do have uh, that uh, for here. So, just to answer your question, but I do not have an Austin FC scarf. Uh, I just have one of the supporters groups that I have several friends in uh, for that here. Uh, switching to the ladies uh, for that here. In, in a pretty dominating fashion, Midlothian Heritage uh, won 6-0 over Corpus Christi, Cal Allen, Wildcats uh, for that here. And, and like I said here, you know, the, the score was uh, – it could have been, been more, you know, you know just, just being honest watching that game there. Um, but it's from my, if, if memory serves me correct, Corpus Christi, Cal Allen was the first school from Corpus, mm-hmm. um, on the ladies side to reach, uh, a, a state final. So congratulations, uh, to them here and looking at their roster here. Um, they only had, they had six seniors, uh, but still, you know, looking at the roster, a lot of sophomores, uh, peppered in there with some freshmen, you know, depending on, on, you know, their playoff there, but their playing time, but. Uh, to me, uh, your thoughts on uh, Cal Allen coming through. Um, I know they ended up on the short end of the stick, uh, you know, coming from, you know, you know, representing, you know, the kind of the South Texas area here. But uh, your thoughts on Midlothian Heritage uh, winning, what, that's their second out of three years? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, they won in 2017, 2018, and then won this year here. So, I mean, what can you say about Melothian? You know, Heritage, they're great program. You know, checking out the game, very technical wise, you know, you know, really good soccer. And they just, like I said, Callan had no answer. And, and then that goes back to maybe also, you know, the level of play. That Melothians, you know, is used to there. They're in the Metroplex, uh, and also what the players do off season too. So I'm sure a lot of those Melothian players play uh, very competitive club soccer compared to what it is in Corpus Christi. But you know, nothing to you know, nothing bad to say about Cal. And you know, mm-hmm. they did beat two quality teams in Wimberley and 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 Bernie to get who were two of the favorites to get to the state finals, and then they beat a Salado team. That, that many thought would probably could beat them too as well. So, you know, it's a good building block for that program. You know, I know, I know there are other coaches probably going to look into this. Okay, you know, what can we do to take that next step, you know, and, can you know, compete in that state title game and and win it. So, you know, the sky's the limit. They set, those girls set the bar in Corpus because, like I said, they're the first team from the Corpus area for boys and girls to make it to a, a state final for soccer. So, They'll be one of the favorites for next year for Region 4 again. Uh, you can say you'll have other contenders like the Bernie Girls and like in Wimberley. Um, let's say maybe even Canyon Lake and maybe even Davenport because, like I said, Davenport was young and they got some experience and they're going to bring pretty much everybody back, you know, for, for the following year. Yeah, their only loss was a 4-5 loss to Rockport Fulton, um, mm-hmm. you know, after beating them 4-0 uh, earlier. So, um to me, like I said here, you know, job well done to the, you know the ladies da- down in Cal Allen, and and like I said here, it's um, you always like to hear you know areas getting into their first you know finals here just to see the growth, and you know obviously we're you know we you know we you know we root for San Antonio schools, but um, I won't lie if it's from the Valley or Corpus, you know you know it's going to be a soft spot just because you know they are um, in our region here uh, for that here. So moving to the uh, five, uh, or, or yeah, we'll do the the 5A girls, a, another local team, this uh, one a little bit north of us, uh, Dripping Springs Tigers, uh, and probably what was the most competitive, you know, I think uh, two evenly matched teams, Dripping Springs and uh, Frisco Wakeland Wolverines. Um, I, I heard reports that Dripping Springs was the favorite going in, but listening to you and Coach and and I kind of thought Wakeland was the was the favorite, you know, just despite the records uh, going in. But uh, um, you know, your thoughts on the five A ladies uh, uh, title that goes to Dripping Springs, another Region Four. This this was like a heavyweight boxing fight. I mean, you had two heavyweights that went through knock off some pretty good teams. I mean, Frisco Wakeland knocked off the number one team in the state, which was Highland Park. So I think that's why they, they were, I think, one of the favorites to go in into um, to this game. But then also Dripping Springs, look at their defense. Um, you know, the, the slow in defense wins championships, you know, knocking out Cedar Park. They knocked out um, Gregory Portland, who was undefeated. Uh, they knocked off a really good Friendswood team, which has the history of going to the state finals and winning state championships. So this is, like I said, one probably one of the best games, you know, going into. And it was just back and forth. Like I said, Wakeland struck first. And Wakeland could have really blown this game open. They missed a lot of opportunities. 
I think this could have been, you know, going into 20 minutes into the game, you know, it could have been three nothing, you know, before the, the equalizer by Draper Springs, which was a beautiful shot. So I think had Wickland equalized that, you know, we could be had a different result. But you know, some you know, Draper Springs didn't back down. They got the equalizer, and then the second half, uh, one of you know, one of the players was able to to knock one in. Sneak one in, and that was, and they were able to hold off and win win the state championship. So, kudos to Drooping Springs. I guess another representative for Region Four. Um, you know, great season for them. I know they have some young players, and they might be, like I said, a, a contender again for next year. And then also a shout out to their to their uh, their Be booster we have for you know they do a lot of great things for for you know, for that team. So, you know, shout out to them. So going like I said, going into next year, I think Drooping Springs will be will more likely gonna be the favorite for Region Four. But you're gonna have contenders. You know, can Alamo Heights bounce back? Can Bernie Champion bounce back? Um, you know, then you have those Valley teams like McAllen, uh, Gregory Portland. You know, so this is like I said, Region Four stacked with teams that can, you know, maybe become our representative going into the final, the same Final Four in, um, for 2022. And, and Lewis, uh, you know, sent in, you know, a great question or, or I guess a comment here that, you know, uh, he would love to see an inter-regional all-star game postseason. So where, you know, maybe, you know, an all-star team from region four, you know, maybe like a weekend Actually, where you have, you know, you know, region, re, you know, region one, two, three, and four put together an all-star team and maybe a weekend have them come together and, um, you know, play, you know, play a, a, you know, a semi-tournament. Uh, Actually, they are going to do something like that. Um, uh, the uh, the UIL uh, Tasco usually hosts uh, an All Star game, like a senior later All Star game, uh, like Region One versus Region Three, Region Two versus Four. I think it's coming up the next few weeks. So uh, if you go to the Tasco, the Texas uh, Association of so uh, Soccer Coaches, I think they'll have the dates for 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 those games. So and usually they have that game. I don't know when was the last time they had that game. I know they've had it in the past, like in Ron Rock. Uh, I'm not sure they'll have. Maybe they'll have it here in San Antonio. It'll be nice. They can play play in Toyota. I mean, it'll be a nice uh, little change of pace to kind of feature all the all the talent here in the state of Texas has for high school soccer. Um, going to their website, they say they have a senior All Star game will be held at San Antonio at Blossom Athletic Center May 15th, and more information will be available once teams are selected here. So. Um, it does seem like that there is going to be some sort of, you know, maybe not a all-star game, but, uh, you know, a, a senior all-star game to, you know, reward those here, uh, for that here, uh, for that here. And then let me get back over here. So on the 5A boys, uh, in, uh, what, what I call the Rafa versus Lethal, uh, match now, uh, Frisco, Wakeland, Wolverines, three. Uh, humble Kingwood Park Panthers too, in and a pretty you know, pretty good game between you know both clubs. You know, like I said, I think for five A, uh, you know, I think they were the two you know two best matches as far as a combination between the boys and girls. And it's not saying that the others weren't just from a competitive standpoint. You, you know, you had two two quality or four quality teams counting the ladies, um, but on the boys side here, you know, the the two uh, uh, Frisco Wakeland uh, getting. Um, another uh, state title, which is two out of 
uh, yeah, two two out of uh, second out of uh, three years uh, for them as well. Yeah, they made it. I think in the finals four years in a row. I think the only blemish was when they lost to El Paso Bel Air. So this is the start of a dynasty, and they find a way to the, the to keep it up. I know going to this game, like I said, I did get to see Kingwood Park play in person here at Ferris Stadium. I mean, I was impressed with some of the talent they have, but there are some chinks to the armor. You know, you know, being a coach, you know, you can kind of sense, you know, Valley View just doesn't have the firepower to to um, to kind of hold hold off that offense. Like I said, you know, they gave up a two in the two goal lead, and you know, and this, really, Kingwood Park should have never had a, a high scoring game. They should really control that game. But Wakeland, like I said, there are more. Of a, of a complete team, you know, just scouting them, watching them on video. And they've been, they, like I said, they beat pretty, some pretty good teams, a bit of really good El Paso Del Valle team. That's won uh, two state titles in the past. So, like I said, this was going to be two different styles. Like I said, one kind of a running gun, the other one a more of possession. And Wakeland found, like I said, it was like a heavyweight fight. But Wakeland found a way, and they controlled Prono most of the game. They kind of shut down. A lot of most of the offense for Kingwood, and they were able to pull it off. We'll get a three-two win. And looking at Fresco Wakeland, they and, and I know, you know, I know you mentioned that they've, you know, it's really since what 2014. The only year they haven't made the tournament appearances was in 2015, but 16, 17, 18, 19, um, and 21. And of course, 20 there wasn't wasn't a tournament. Um, but looking at their roster, that that roster is nothing but juniors and seniors. Um, with the exception of one sophomore goaltender for them here. So, um, but you mentioned just with the talent up, up, you know, that they're able to pull from that. Um, you're going to see a lot more of these, you know, senior, you know, senior laden or, you know, um, uh, junior, junior, senior laden teams uh, yeah. you know, for that here where, uh, you know, humble um, Kingwood Park. Probably not quite as much senior. I think there's about six of the six seniors, seven seniors uh, on there. But you see a little bit more, um, a little bit more junior sophomores mixed in. So it'll be kind of interesting to see um, how they come through. But uh, you know, like I said here, you know, I know, uh, you know, looking at the playoff run, you know, that uh, uh, you know, Region Three had to get through, you know, with Region Four and along those lines here. That was a little bit tough, but. Uh, your thoughts on kind of favorites for next year? Is it, you know, is it still going to be kind of Frisco Wakeland and, you know, uh, um, you know, I can't, you know, mention El Paso uh, the Valley without, you know, without getting in trouble with the coach here. So um, <laughs> you, you think those are still going to be kind of the favorites? Or, uh, you know? Here's here's the interesting thing about Frisco Wakeland. You know, they're in a district that has, I think, 11, now 12 high schools. So normally you would think that, you know, that talent would be spread out, you know, watered down with, you know, a team wouldn't be able to make, but they've just built a dynamite program, you know, kudos to their head coach, you know, you know what they're doing over there. You know, they don't, they don't rebuild. They just reload every year. And I'm sure they probably have a really good JV program that really focuses a lot on their technical play. And, 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 and like I said, they're ready to go once they get into the, you know, become a varsity player. So, you know, if you're going to model a program, because this is one of the programs you want to model to, 
But, Do you, you think know, they, they pull from a lot of the you know FC Dallas Academy because you know that is up in in Frisco yeah. itself. Do you think that they pull a lot from you know, and obviously that's typically gets scattered between the schools, but mm -hmm. I think majority of them are probably playing with, with FC Dallas, or I think I did see some because some comments uh, there were some over play with Solar. Solar's an excellent club too. Mm -hmm. They're in, that, in the Dallas area. Um, I think they have like a Chelsea affiliate. So, like I said, those players, you know, off-season-wise, they're battle-tested. They played competitive soccer. And I think this is what's helping them, you know, win a lot of these big games in the playoffs, you know, when they run into, like I said, I, I think there's going to be other contenders like El Paso de Valle will be a contender again next year. Uh, you have like Highland, the Highland Park boys is another contender. Um it's like I said, that DFW Metroplex has so many good 5A teams besides 6A2, but 5A teams that, you know, you, anybody can beat anybody and get out of there. Uh, as far as Kingwood Park, I think they'll probably be the favorite for Region 3, you know, to, you know, to get out. Um, like I said, I think they might have to replace a couple of their, their – their, some of their scores, but like I said, they have the experience and I should, should make, make a run, but they have other contenders there. Um, like you, you have like Sharpstown, that's a great up and coming program. Some of those schools in Richmond, they've been doing well, so that you can see them being a contender. A couple of the Katy teams, there's a couple five of Katy teams that I think Patel, I think Jordan's going to be coming in. They may, you know, say something about you know the Kingwood getting to the finals, but then Region Four, um, I think it's wide open. Uh, you know, watching the you know, Valley View, I didn't think the best team represented Region 4. Uh, Valley View, they just great, – great raw talent, but it needs to be polished. It needs to be – they need a more technical skill, to, I think, to compete. Um, I think had they made it to the finals, I think Wigland would have probably put four or five on them. Mm -hmm. you know, that's just my opinion. But like I said, how how do the uh, San Antonio teams bounce back? Like Alamo Heights, Bernie Champion. Uh, another team that we didn't discuss was the Dripping Spring Boys. They had a good season. They had a great season, yeah. Yeah, they had a great season, but they got knocked out by a really good Bronzo Porter team, who I thought should have probably. I think had they made the, you know, won the region, I think the result versus Kingwood Park probably would have been different. We could have seen Porter versus Wakeland, and like I said, Porter has really good defenders. They touch the ball great. Um, so you have those teams coming up, and then you have other teams like um, Bronzeville Lopez. I know they didn't really do well this year. I think they were young. Uh, so keep on all lookout for them. Um, you know, you have Veterans Memorial. That's another contender. So you have all these teams from Region 4 that, can, you know, whoever's willing to step up you know, is going to represent our region next year. So moving to the 6A final, uh, uh, a team up in Austin, the Vandergriff Vipers, uh, lost two to one against uh, Flower Mound Jaguars. Um, looking at the roster of Austin uh, uh, Vandergriff here, you know, you know, you know, looking at the record here, you know, they had they got off to a semi rough uh, start here of the season. Uh, you know, they lost two to one to. Clark tied uh, Round Rock Westwood and lost to Round Rock and then went on, you know, went on their great run with only losing to uh, Round Rock Westwood once again um, in the regular season. 
um, before the final here. But looking at their roster, they're very senior uh, senior uh, laden uh, file compared to uh, Flower Mound Hill, who uh, you mentioned was a powerhouse going in. And looking at their rosters, a lot of juniors, a lot of you know you know a few senior a few few seniors sprinkled in. So um, as far as for um, a, a repeat. Uh, I'm assuming they're got to be probably one of the, the the favorites going into next year. You know, for the you know the six A ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this game was another heavyweight fight. You know, uh, Lewis Flyerman they knocked off some really good teams. Uh, they knocked off that number one Prosper team, which I think everybody thought they were going to get to the final. Um, they knocked off Flyerman Marcus, which is their district rival. Uh, that district they're in is a very brutal district and. For them to do that, especially with a young team, so they're they have a target on the back next year, so they'll probably be the favorite to see to get to the you know state the final four. But you, like I said, that region one is going to have a lot of contenders there, and there's going to be gunning for them. Uh, Vandergriff, what can you say about them? They they had an excellent season. Um, pleasure to get to seeing them play. Uh, very physical, very technical, great you know, just very balanced team that. You know, they muscled a couple of teams. Like uh, the one, the one game that it really impressed me was that game against Reagan. You know, they just flat out imposed their will on them. And um, so, and right then and there, I kind of knew, okay, this is this team is probably going to be a contender. And they got over the hump by knocking off Ron, that Ron Rock team that was also good too as well because they were their district champs. So, you know, that game, you know, it was, it was back and forth, back and forth. But Farmer um, found a way to win, and they were able to hold on and. Like I said, they got themselves a state title for this year. So saving the San Antonio uh, team to make it to the final and win uh, for that, the San Antonio Lee Volunteers to uh, Rockwall Heath Hawks uh, zero here um, in what's been, what, a three-year story, I think, for Lee. Since, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 2019, they lost in PKs, if memory serves me right. Uh, last year they were trying to finish and obviously the season, you know, uh, got pulled due to COVID. Um, but this team was able to get the, get the job done, uh, for Lee. And, and like I said here, I know they made, uh, the entire city proud, uh, you know, as well as Bernie as well, but, uh, you know, with San Antonio, you know, Lee being part of San Antonio, uh, you know, I know Miron, you know, you know, congratulated them. Uh, I know uh, SAFC congratulated both teams, uh, but you know had the, you know had the uh, um, you know the the banner for uh, you know the Lee Volunteers. So I know you and Coach uh, ch- chatted back and forth, and you know kind of you know uh, as this match was going on. But your thoughts on, on Lee uh, being able to get the job done this year and and bringing the home the title uh, to San Antonio? Like I mentioned, this team was on a mission, and you know. What, what came out of it is like that one game that they lost, they, they redeemed themselves with that game. They flat out imposed their will on Vandergriff. And then they had a close call with Clemens because Clemens could have beaten them. And then I think they finally got that monkey, that PK monkey off. It was sort of off their back when they knocked off like Travis. Like I said, I think whoever won that game was probably going to get to the final. Um, and then they took care of business with Jersey Village. Uh, wonderful saved for one of the defenders to kind of keeping the momentum from that game changing and so forth. Um, so they, they know what was at stake. They were focused on this. 
but then they were, they were running into a team that many would have thought that was a Cinderella team. Uh, Rockwell Heath, nobody said anything about them. Uh, but they knocked off some pretty good teams to make the way. And they knocked off a really good Allen team. We knocked off the team that we thought, you know, me and Coach Khan thought was going to be uh, East El Paso Eastlake. And that was the one final we were really looking for because Eastlake and Lee were like the mirror image of each other. But you can say Allen took the win, but Rockwell Heath knocked them off in the penalty kicks. So we have a real defensive team versus a real good you know, offensive balance team and leading, you know, led up on them. They pressured them. They kind of played more their way um, in that first half. And they finally got that one, that real nice goal um, and to take that one zero lead. But a little concern in the second half, you know, he started kind of pushing up, getting chances. They almost broke through. I think, I know Coach Connor mentioned about one of the goals that, that he thinks they should have gone in. I, I don't really see I think I did see a foul on there, but that's up to the rest for that. I mean, that could have changed the complexion of the game. But Flea kind of reorganized again, you know, started imposing their will, started playing more position, and they finally got that second goal off of that, that free kick off the header, and that pretty much did in Heath, and they couldn't really recover from there. And, and like I said, the, you know, the mission was accomplished, and they got that monkey off their back. And now they have a state title. So I think that's their first state title for any team since 1971, which um, I think one of uh, an NFL quarterback, Tommy Kramer, was the quarterback for Lee that year. So, like I said, so kudos to them. Congratulations. Um, they get to put that little star on the on the on the crest, and <laughs> hopefully, like I said, I think there's still a, there's still plenty of talent on that team. Do they repeat? They I, lose I, a lot, though. They do lose a lot, yeah. But I think there's some talent there that they they can. I think they can still re, you know repeat, you know, because yeah. they've been there. But I'm like not saying that they won't. But you you know both goaltenders, or well, pardon me, you lose Joey, uh, Batruni, was it Batruni? Uh, you know, as as the you know starting goalkeeper, uh, they do have a junior uh, on the second one there. But you know, looking at their roster, they've got what three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seniors on that team. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what makes the the key point, you know, that, that you're talking about here is there's also two, four, seven sophomores. Yeah, and one, two. Two freshmen, so you're talking you're you're talking a pretty balanced balanced rotation between you know you know between classes and, and it just depends on how much is there. But I think you know uh, it, it'll be interesting, you know, because I think goal goaltending learning from you, sitting with you the last couple of years, goaltending is so huge at this level. If you have a great uh, or you know, above average to great goaltender that can carry you quite a quite a bit because it covers up for a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Um, you know, for, you know, for that here. Um, but I did want to comment, you know, on and and see if you've maybe seen a run like this by Rockwell Heath. You know, looking at their schedule, they ended the year. 
Their last win would have been so one, two, three, four, five, six. The end of the year was with seven matches, um, no wins, and out of those seven matches, they lost. They tied three times and lost four times. Um, and even if you go a couple before, then you know they had you know they had you know two wins and a tie on there here. So to me, that that is a heck of a run because if you look at how their season ended, you wouldn't have thought that they would have got on you know got on the run that they did. And and then you know once once they got that confidence going when it came to the playoffs, you know they they were a very competitive. And um, I watched that game and you know against Lee and. They gave Lee, you know, I won't say everything, but, you know, because I think Lee had control of the game, especially when they got that first goal. But there are a few times in there where, you know, Rockwall was, was knocking on the door and, and could have very easily, uh, you know, got that, you know, got that tying goal and, and then game on, you know, just, you know, you know, you have that confidence built up. But uh, to me, you're, you're spot on as far as, as a team kind of catching fire at, at the right, you know, right side. I don't, I don't remember me seeing a run like that, you know, based on how the season's ending. Um, Cause usually you want to go in hot to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know you've been around the game quite a bit. Have you ever seen a run like that where teams struggled at the end? And then, you know, once they got into that second season, you know, it's almost like the coach said, Hey, reset the button. It's, you know, we've got a clean, uh, clean slate here. Yeah, usually, usually a team that makes a deep run starts to get hot towards the end of district play, and they just carry that momentum. Um, something must have happened at Heath that you know the the light Player you know, came back or something like that. Yeah, the light bulb switched on, and you know one thing I did, like I mentioned to Coach Canos, is that sometimes you do need luck. You know, luck does play a lot in getting into. Um, advancing you know you, you got to have the ball bounce your way and you know maybe the soccer god saw something in them say hey you know we're gonna give you a nice little run after having some bad luck and you know and like i said they're a good team uh, mm -hmm. I did see a lot of good things defensively uh uh their second keeper here, here's the thing why i just don't i, I kind of question yes second keeper finley uh, that six three monster is also a tight end for their football team I, I don't see why they didn't start him the, the whole game. And I didn't think they're the starter or their, their starting keeper that started the game wasn't at the same level as he, he was because Finley did make some great saves. You know, they did get by that one on that header, but I think that first goal that they least scored, maybe Finley could have, you know, saved that one and kept them in the game. So I think the strategy was I would have put my probably my best keeper in this game and maybe, you know, we go, you know, we say zero, zero and we sneak one in at the end or we go zero, zero, go to over, you know, go to overtime when there or go to PKs, which I don't believe doesn't want to go, you know, but like I said, I, I, I kind of question why they didn't start him the whole game. Another thing I noticed in, in, in Heath that they didn't, they weren't very, very nothing good. They weren't, I guess, I guess they're not very good offensively as far as they didn't have someone that they can, you know, carry the team or two players that can really carry the offense and run it through them to get those goals when they need to. I know, I know they got their chances towards the end, but 
you know, I think Lee kind of, you know, you know, noticed that, that, you know, they don't have anybody they can depend on, you know, we can take care of this. So maybe that's something I think Heath needs to work on next year, find themselves, you know, someone that can really kind of like a ball hawk, put that ball in the net when they need a goal, if they're down or behind. Um, something similar to a, what Kingwood Park had with their two forwards. You know, I think that's what, I think that was the missing ingredient for them. But, you know, defensive wise, you know, they're, they're, you know, they were good. I know they made some couple mistakes, but well, keeping wise, I think they were toe to toe with Lee, with Joey. I think the feeling was just as good as Joey. You know, I think the talents, you know, both of them are probably the, those are probably your two best goalies in the state of Texas right there for high school for, for soccer. And he's only a sophomore. Yeah. So that's, that's the crazy thing for him is that. He he is only a a sophomore, uh, you know, for that here. So that that's the you know when when you guys were talking about you know I think you guys said he was six three six five somewhere around there starting tight end of the you know of the you know of the football team there. I was like, oh, that's pretty impressive. So uh, and he also he, plays for FC Dallas too. Oh, so does he? Yeah, he plays for FC Dallas Academy. That's impressive <laughs> too. So. So he's going places. Yeah, he's, he's going to either play f- football somewhere or he's going to play, maybe play for FC Dallas Academy. So, like I said, he, plus, you know, being a sophomore, who's to say he doesn't grow a few more inches, you know? You know, we could see him maybe 6'6", uh, 6'7", six, 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 <laughs> goalkeeper there. You know, that would be very difficult to get some get some goals, you know, for that. I think even Wakeland's goalkeeper, I think he was 6'5". He was one of the, one of the I think he was considered one of the best ones too, so it, it pays to have a really tall keeper, you know, in the back of the in there, blocking shots there in between the pipes. So, you know, just to kind of wrap up on the high school soccer, uh, I think Region Four, which is the air, you know region that we're in. I think was in what five of the six title matches. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Obviously, there's a lot of talent um, in the areas, you know, so outstanding job to um, all the coaches, all the, you know, assistant coaches, the staff, you know, the, the trainers, you know, and I know they're probably student trainers that, that kind of help with the programs, um, but also to the players, you know, et cetera. As, as Rafa mentioned, uh, you know, with being COVID, with, you know, having to be in your little bubble and along those lines here. Um, I know for me, you know, like I said here, it was fun to get out to the couple of games that I got out to and, and hopefully next year, uh, you know, things are a lot more normal. We'll be able to see a lot more travel between, uh, you know, early in the season, you know, for the showcases. Cause you know, I think, um, like Cal Allen to me, I think would really benefit from, you know, you know, going up North and playing in Dallas or, you know, playing it in a little bit tougher, uh, you know, preseason tournaments, even though you might take a couple of, you know, you know, a couple of losses, getting those losses early, being able to test yourself against the top teams in uh, UIL, both in your region and also, you know, in other regions, um, as you've mentioned, pays major benefits when it comes to playoffs there. So thank you to the players and coaches and like I said here uh, and everybody that's took part in covering the game here, your final thoughts on, on the high school side before we do, uh, you know, a quick, uh, a uh, little recap of, of San Antonio's uh, new kit. Uh, like I said, just like to say thank you to, like I said, to all the coaches out there. You know, great season to all you guys. You know, congrats to 
our two state champions and I think something to look forward in 2022, you know, you know, to the teams out there, you know, make sure you work hard during the off season, you know, do your thing. I think things are going to open up a lot better. You know, I think a lot of teams will have those opportunities, like you mentioned, to go to some of those tougher tournaments and showcases. You know, the important thing is I know, yeah, winning games is important, you know, but when it comes to district play and playoffs, that's what, that's what matters. And then, and it's very important to go ahead and, you know, schedule those tough teams, you know, stay away from the cream puffs and, you know, and, and, and challenge yourself and challenge your players because that's going to help you build, you know, your program, but also see the measuring stick. Okay. What do we need to Okay. This is the result so forth. What do we need to do to get to this level? And I think that's what a lot of these teams, you know, you know, look at Rockwell Heath. They had eight losses. I think that was the first time I think a, a team that made it to the final that had that many losses. You know, so that shows them that they, they're not shy of playing some of the big boys out there. And at the very end, the very end it paid off for them to get to the state final. So so that's something to look forward to for, for next year for all the teams here, especially here in Region 4. So – we have to talk about this beauty. <laughs> the uh, uh, San Antonio FC uh, kit here. Um, when they released it, I was trying to do the you know because they released the shoulders you know with, with you know with the with the patches and then they released the badge with the you know with the gray uh, for it here. I know uh, our buddy Scott. He didn't like it. Um, you know, I saw some of his comments on Facebook and, um, you know, you know, his, his takes, uh, withstanding, uh, I personally like it. You know, I, I like, you know, I like the, I like the stripes, uh, you know, going down, you know, kind of matches the badge, which, which a lot of people were kind of, you know, liking, um, some didn't like the placement of the sponsorship with Toyota, you know, how it's all kind of bolted out as opposed to still, you know, having the, the stripe go through. So your thoughts, um, on the, on the kit. I mean, it's a decent kit. I thought they were going to go to maybe, you know, white Jersey, a uh, great checkerboard, you know, kind of match the, the mm-hmm. our home Jersey. That would have been nice. You know, something kind of similar to it. I know if you look at Croatia's, they have the white and the red. I mean, it would have been nice for the white and the. But I think the one thing I think I know what Scott had mentioned about the back of the jersey. Then it continue with the stripes. I think they should have done that instead of having a solid color. You know, I think maybe that would have been a little bit better. Um, I guess it's all going to be white shorts, white socks. Uh, I mean, I mean it's a, it's an okay kit, I guess, for an away kit. I, I like to see them go away from the white, go with something. Something more wild, you know, like some of the European teams do, you know, with their away kits or, or their yeah. third kits. You know, that's that's just me. I mean, I'm into, you know, like see, like Man U's, uh, oh, it was Man U, right? The one with that one kind of that one, that one looked like you're, you know, in that movie, what's called, um, or what's called that Madagascar movie. Oh, like a- here's a kit you probably love then, because this is a team that did go through. And let me see if I can find it here. Because um, on the same day, uh, San Antonio released theirs. Um, Oklahoma City uh, released 
their new kit uh, for that here. Let's see if I can. There you go. That's yeah. out there. It's their alternate jersey, Electric City. Uh, to me, it looks like a uh, Christmas uh, sweater gone rogue. Uh, you know, during during the summer here. Uh, you know, it's. I love that teams are creative. Uh, you know, with it here, um, especially if you're uh, on Team Puma uh, here in the USL, and you got the uh, hexagon. You know, because I think what New Mexico. They got a third uh, jersey. Yeah, they the third jersey, which is the sea green one. RGV's blue uh, kit is the same. There's like three or four teams that have the same. You know, it's almost like, hey, USL went MLS light you know, as far as with, with kits here. It's, everybody's got to have the same with just your own colors. But, um, you know, to me, you know, I'm comparing it to the Oklahoma City, you know, uh, kit there. I was like, oh, I like this one a whole lot better. Not that I'm a kit guy, but. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, I, mean, I, I mean, I can understand the away, but I, honestly, they, they do need a third jersey. I like to see them do like a black and gray or, or something. Um, I mean, or an all red one. Uh, hell, I mean, heck, we can do about as we don't look like a candy stripe or, or a candy cane, or we're fine with that, but. I, th I think they can be something more creative. I know, I know there's some out there that want to do the, the Fiesta colors. You say that, and something... Did 210 come out with one? Well, 210 came out with one, but let me see if I can find it here. Something that popped out today here... Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find it here. There was a tweet that SAFC or Spurs Sports mm -hmm. had trademarked a new logo here. I'm trying to see if I can find it here real quick here. Because uh, I think somebody tagged 210 on this here. So Aaron uh, with an E uh, mm -hmm. posted that, uh, and then of course this came off of Reddit here, but uh, that SAFC had trademarked the, the badge, but with the Fiesta colors inside of it. So, you know, and from my understanding, if you're trademarking something by USL, mm -hmm. that typically that um, it's not cheap to trademark something. So you got to figure something's coming in, you know, whether it's this year or next year, who knows? I know they came out with the Viva promotions, right? I think there's three of them. Um, I'm wondering if you're going to see something tied in with, uh, you know, with those, uh, you know, for that here. Uh, I can see them come out with, uh, you know, for like a military appreciation night. I know that mm -hmm. I know they do the tops, but. I like to see uh, like a camouflage, kind of what the Spurs had, the camouflage jersey. And that's what Rosalinda mentioned here. I think the camo would look yeah. better, uh, you know, for that here. But yeah, to me, I did find that interesting because how many people have been clamoring for that Fiesta oh. kit? And it looks like, you know, uh, SAFC may not respond. They may not seem like they're listening. Um, but you and I both know that – 
uh, Preston, Luis, and, and the gang do monitor social media pretty close. <laughs> and and uh, if you do kind of, you know, uh, get close to that line, uh, they, you know, they will touch base with you to say, hey, what's going on? Uh, both in a positive and in a negative manner, as as I've I've uh, you know you know I've I've bounced on that line close and and they've kind of reached out in in a good manner. Don't get me wrong, yeah. uh, but uh, they they do watch. They do look at the feedback. Now, it may not go as quick of a timeline as we want, and they you know of course the Spurs Sports and Entertainment uh, is typically pretty coy to begin with. Um, so you know. You know, they may say, hey, no, nothing's going on. But in the background, rest assured that, you know, they are watching and, and looking, you know, at, at, at what the fans are wanting, um, you know, for that here outside of the TV and radio. Because, of course, they haven't done any movements on those. But I was going to do something crazy like those inter-Milan inter jerseys that we saw that look like <laughs> doing the tour, tour of France or Tour, or tour of Italy. <laughs> So the only other San Antonio news is they did get a loan uh, this time here from, um, you know, from the Sounders. And that is going to be a midfielder, uh, Shandon Hopano, uh, who's on loan uh, from there. He's a homegrown uh, with Sounders. Uh you know, in his, you know, between 2016, 2020. Um, and I don't really count last year because he spent most of the time on, the, you know, on the bench with uh, the, the Sounders and didn't get to play a whole lot. But um, the 22 year old scored uh, five goals and recorded four assists in 2019, which was the last full season that, that he really played uh, for that here. So um, I was kind of joking uh, beforehand. You know, he's got you know more goals than, than some of our forwards do um, in professional action here. Uh, you know, for that here. So rosters at twenty one. Um, I think we looked at there's what ten. You know, six defenders, two goalies, three forwards, and ten midfielders. I believe is what we kind of were talking about here pre-show here. So I'm assuming if Seattle's loaning him, he. I'm assuming that's what the assumption that, you know, he's going to play or at least he's going to get the first shot at playing. Um, I know we don't have Royce here. Uh, you know, he'll be back next week. Uh, but this one was going to be a, a pretty heavy uh, high school final playoff here. So thoughts on where he fits in. And then like I said here next week, we'll, we'll catch up with uh, Royce and see where he fits in. And then, of course, we got the RGB match uh, uh, last friendly this week here before the season kicks off on May 1st. They got a bone to pick with them too, but I'll say that for them. For who? For for R RGV for that game change in a bit, but um, yeah, just, the, the game move from Saturday to Sunday. Yeah, I don't, and I'll explain why. Okay. But our, as far as our new midfielder, I did look into a little history on him. You know, being a homegrown player, he's from Hawaii. Uh, he actually was one of I think one of twelve players that got taken to Real Madrid. For like oh. a tryout, so that tells you something. What type of caliber player he, you know, he is, and like Aren't I said, they a super team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're yeah because we have thirteen championships. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out to Daddy Florentino. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's got a great experience, and I think he's going to do wonders with us. And the more likely, he's probably going to have to start unless you know Seattle calls him back up. I don't see Seattle calling him back up unless 
they start to struggle or they have some oh they got the injury bug yeah, kind of similar to what with St. Clair last year, you know, and and so I that's I think we'll see him a lot on the pitch and I think he's gonna do wonders. And like I said, he's got experience, he's he's young, he's hungry. We're we're adding right guys, I think, to fit this system of play what Marcino wants, that what he wants out there to help CC <laughs> because and, and that's something like I said, we noticed it from this year's team and last year's team. It's becoming a, a little bit more, you know, more deep, more deeper than it was the year before. So it's a good addition, and we'll see if they add anybody else. You know, do we need a, maybe another defender? Or do we need another four? We'll hopefully, we'll, we'll find out within the next couple of weeks. You know, what decisions that the you know front office makes. So, any final thoughts on San Antonio FC? I know. You know, kind of a quiet week. You know, before the storm. Um, you, oh, you mentioned you had a bone to pick on the the RGV move. Did you want to do that on air or not? No, I can do that on air. Um, I, I I noticed on Twitter that they posted, and I I reached, I, I I gave my comments on Twitter. Um, I noticed they moved the game from the 15th to the 16th from Saturday to Sunday, and I was going to make a road trip down there, and I was like, what? Why are they doing this? I guess they don't want uh, SAE, SA, uh, San Antonio FC fans down there on Saturday because we'll have more fans than they will at their <laughs> stadium like we always do every year. Um, I don't know because they opened up, what, 350 tickets, I want to say. I think I saw online to the yeah. curse, New Mexico United. That you know, And I know that's the first game. But I don't know. I, you know, I, I think the goal would be to get butts and, see, and fans. AJ had a tournament, uh, or I think he's going to have the, the the a surf tournament that weekend. Uh, so I don't, I don't think I was going to be able to make it. So it actually getting rescheduled kind of benefits me, uh, where you know I think if his team you know plays early on Sunday, uh, that you know that you know I, I could possibly go down, but then you know it's the next day of getting off on Monday though. Yeah. You know, because it's a seven thirty, you know, nine thirty, and it's what a four hour, five hour drive. A four hour drive. So maybe we can still road trip it together, because um, I know Monica won't let me go down and back by myself. Just you know, she, you know, she wants. If I'm gonna do it in a day's drive, that she wants to have somebody else in the car to make sure I don't go to sleep. Yeah, I was looking forward to making that trip down there, spend some time. Yeah, get down there and, and stay the night. Good thing I didn't uh, book a, the room at the Holiday Inn. Uh, there yeah, so but, uh, maybe we need to do the same thing to them. Like when we play them, move it to a Sunday night or uh, Wednesday night. Well, way. they don't show up anyways. They don't have any fans. So oh, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah I don't think they've ever had fans. So no, but uh, shout out to the Stampede and you know, like I said here, uh, uh, and, and you know, uh, down in the valley, like I said here, Edson and Gang. Um, Ray with South Texas Sports here. Like I said, you guys do great work, and uh, the banter's fun going back and forth, uh, you know, for that here. So I can't get you out of here without uh, talking. You know, the uh, uh, the Super League killed the game uh, talk here, and I know you're you support one of them, and you're wearing the badge of one of them. I'm surprised you haven't been booed and tarred and tarred and feathered uh, off of off of the show yet. Um, Thoughts on the Super League, $6 billion, you know, and the mess that it's causing. So, 
Honestly, I mean, to me, I'm still, I'm still like 50-50 with it. I like, I like the idea of playing, you know, you know, I, I know maybe Scott's watching, you know, it gets Scott's team out of the farm league and play, play some of the big boys, <laughs> you know, instead of being, well, Byron, Byron isn't in it. They, t- yeah. So France and Germany turned it down. Germany, I think, turned it down because they're they're fan owned. So it's a little bit different ownership structure. From my understanding, PSG turned it down because they're tight with um, one of the TV guys. You know, one of the big TV people. They're they're real tight or owned or something affiliated with them. Yeah. And since this isn't in that in that network, that they didn't, they're not one of the first people there. But I've heard once, what the World Cup or something, you know, something goes through that they will be uh, one of the teams because not all of the founding teams have been announced. So that's one thing to keep in mind is that this is the first group that's going to take the the brunt of the hit. Um, to me, you know, and like I said, I've been called out for it saying it's a bad take. And like I said, I don't follow Europe soccer like like you and, and, and a lot of other people do. But to me, what's different between this than what the EPL did in 92? Because that was about money. Let's be honest with you. This, yeah. is, this isn't about competition. This isn't about sporting merit. This is about can I get more money? And that's all it's about. That's what EPL was about. You, you know, it, it, you know, everybody, you know, you know, thinks it's a great league now, but I bet if we had social media back at that time in 92, 91, when this was, was coming together, I bet you would have the same reactions. And that's, that's to me where, you know, like I said here, I come from it as kind of a neutral. I don't really, you know, I have, you know, I adopted Accrington Stanley, which will never be in the premier league, you know, based on current ownership. And they're very lucky to be in league one right now. Um, you know, with the 5,000, you know, stadium and, and that's probably the highest that, you know, that they can probably achieve. Um, you know, hopefully they can continue going forward. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they'd have to open up a, a lot bigger budget and, and they have an owner that's, uh, you know, watches his pennies rightfully so um but to me is not a fan of a super club you know or even a large club over in in england how does this change things you know does it change things because it doesn't sound like they're leaving the epl or that's not the goal but then you got people saying or not people you got federations or leagues saying hey they're gonna ban them which i'm like you're really gonna ban your biggest clubs in the league is that really what you're saying and, well, it's and like I, a supercharged league. I, I guess you can say a little. Um, I know there were some comments thrown, like um, I think that it was at the Juventus or Inter, or Inter Milan mm-hmm. uh, owner said something about Atalanta. But I mean, like I said, Atalanta did earn to get into the um, to the you know the Champions League and so forth. I think what it comes down to, like as you mentioned, is money. That's all. That's all it is. That's you know that. The one thing is, is that the TV rights, you know, if this league does get all, off, who's going to own the TV rights, especially here in the United States, you know, you know, are, is it ESPN going to really throw the cash? Because, you know, EPL is covered by, you know, NBC Sports. Right now. Uh, right now, La Liga, League One, um, they have a, have a deal with, uh, with BN Sports, and then ESPN has 
Well, ESPN Plus has the Bundesliga and, and the Italian League. The but Italian think- League's going to CBS. I want to say CBS next year. Uh, let's see. Because uh... I know, I think, I think, I think La Liga's eventually is going to move to ESPN. I think. Yeah. So, uh, ESPN signed from twenty one twenty two. CBS will be the new home uh, after those exp- after those expire. So. Uh, the CBS all ex- all access is is you know you've got what the Argentinian and um, I want to say Brazilian yeah. uh, leagues on CBS with the Champions League and uh, Serie A is going to be on there on CBS. Um, ESPN's got a lot of little leagues, you know MLS, you know USL of course. Um, their probably biggest league now is is. Uh, uh, the German league, uh, bundle leagues are right, and they also have they also have Liga MX too because they have a couple games on on ESPN Deportes. That, yeah, that, but uh, that's but Liga I, I, MX actually, that's, that's going to change because I know Fox Sports is, is has some Liga MX with the English um, mm-hmm. commentators, so I think eventually I think maybe you know I think ESPN may look into adding some English. For Liga Mackies, but you know, like we mentioned, like a Club America, they they're owned by Televisa down in Mexico, so they have the biggest you know market, TV market there in Mexico. So some of these teams may want to. I know they started branching out, kind of doing like kind of like the Longhorn Network type of deal. You know, uh, some teams are being featured by Fox, some by some other one um, by ESPN Deportes. So. Like I said, the TV rights is really, I think, the biggest thing. I think that's, I think that's what Florentino really wants because they don't get a big cut with the with the Champions League, and I'm sure with with BN Sports, I don't think they get a big cut either, for especially with the American deal over here. So, I think when you have these 12 teams, well, the I guess the 15 teams that they want to do, you know, they want to have a bigger share of the revenue, and we don't know who those five teams that want to, you know qualify for and all these threats, you know, back and forth, you know, UEFA, UEFA and FIFA shouldn't be, you know, saying stuff like, well, we're going to kick you out and this and that and so forth. Cause they've done some shady stuff too, especially like with the Qatar, <laughs> you know, getting, you know, taking bribes for that. So uh, we don't have any choir boys, you know, like I said, there's no choir boys on, on either side, but you know, yeah, this, this is, it's, this is rich owners trying to get more money. And and one thing that I hope, you know, and I watched a little bit of the uh, Leeds uh, uh, Liverpool match today. Um, I hope people kind of take a step back and don't really harass the, the teams and the players and stuff, the coaches and the players, because so, this yeah. is way above where they're at. Um, this is the ownership that's making these decisions. Uh, ch- the, the the was it the boards that are making yeah. these decisions, and you know, like like the Glaziers with me and you, they're never out in public. You know, as far as you know, to face the media along those lines, they're not going to face the criticism. So, be careful with the players. Be careful with the teams. You know, when you're when you're interacting, and I know it's sensitive, but. Um, you know, I have a feeling if you spoke to the players, the, out, 
they're they're, likely they're not going to be for it until they say, okay, hey, the club's getting six, how much more? And that means that they're going to be able to get how much more um, on that. But, you know, to, to me, it's, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I think for me, TV wise and money, people saying, hey, they won't watch, watch a team because of that. I have a hard time seeing that, you know, you know, if you support the club, you support the club. Um, Now you don't have to like their decisions, um, but you can't tell me watching, you know, Real Madrid versus Man City at, you know, you know, with the best players in the world, you're not going to watch that because people will, they will tune in. That's why, that's why, that's why they're pushing this envelope. It's why Liga MX and MLS are doing it is, it's not it's not for the players it's not for the teams as far as um, on the on the pitch it's for the money that they get from the TV network because that you I think one of the biggest things that that people don't really appreciate or understand here stateside or maybe they do and they just don't recognize it Liga MX is the most popular league in America but they're hardly on TV unless you watch, you know, the, this, the Spanish channels along those lines. That's really the easiest way to access the thing there. I have a feeling once, you know, this, you know, merger or super league, whatever they're going to call it between MLS and Liga MX comes into play. They're going to be on a lot more TV channels, Fox, ESPN along those lines to where, you know, the, the TV deal for them, it, you know, is, is going to, take that next level that MLS can't get by itself and Liga MX, I think, you know, would love to grab some of that TV money, you know, from the United States because they do draw very well here stateside. I mean, imagine, imagine club America versus Chivas on, on Fox, on, on, on Fox mm-hmm. or on, on, on ABC, because that's, I mean, like I said when, here, here in, in Mexico, like I said, you have Univision, that's your most rated, you know, the game that gets the most ratings because it's a rivalry game. So you introduce that to the to the American market, to ABC or to to Fox. That's your game of the week, and that's the game. That's the rivalry game that everybody. Like I said, now you're catering to more people that are going to want to watch that game. You LAFC, know? LA Galaxy versus you know one of the teams in Mexico. Yeah. You know, it's just to to me, like I said here. You know, and I know Leeds came out saying soccer's for the fans, but at this level where soccer's being played at, where if it wants to be a top three sport in the United States, basketball, football, soccer, if that's how you want it to be the top three or even baseball, you've got to have that TV rights money. And in order to do that, you know, MLS is, has a lot of things it needs to adjust. But one of the ways that you can get around that here stateside is by these super leagues, is by, you know, is by this. And, and I know it's funded by JP Morgan Bank, you know, that's doing that. So it doesn't shock me that it's an American bank that's financing it, that a lot of the owners are, are uh, you know, from, from the United States, you know, NFL for that here. So, I think it's going to be interesting. I think the landscape of soccer, you know, both domestically and internationally is going to be changing quite a bit between now and 2026, uh, you know, for that here. So 
I think this is just the first shoe that's going to drop here, um, you know, for that here. Cause, and that's why to me, you know, if I'm USL, if I'm Nisa, I start trying to come together and trying to force, force a seat at the table. Cause if not, you could be skipped very, very quickly here uh, for that here. And, and that goes for all of Lord division. You know, we got to stop this, you know, bickering between each other. Um, if you really look at it, we're not that far apart. You know, there's differences in how leagues are ran and, and stuff like that. But if the goal of the game is to grow the sport, to grow the players along those lines, MLS ain't MLS isn't slowing down. In fact, they're trying to, you know, carve out their niche even more. So if you're going to want a piece of this pie, you're going to have to start to make sacrifices. And, and I'm looking at you, USL. Um, to where you've got to start working maybe a little bit more with NISA um, to be able to grow that, to be able to expand that, especially if, if you want to do promotion and relegation. I think that's one way that you can push your, you know, push push the game forward here in the United States. One, one thing you said eventually could also happen, like I said, with this European Super League. Let's say we have a Super League here in North America. You know, the next step will probably be a super a, a global Super League. Yep, you have Real Madrid traveling to Argentina to go play Borco Juniors. We got Barcelona going against the LA Galaxy, or because they're not flying commercial. Yep, yep. No, they're not flying commercial. It's yeah. it's you know I understand the time zones and stuff like that, but you know it's not you know like you cramped on a United flight flying six to t- ten hours. They're they're on a private plane. Yes, it, it's still a plane. Don't get me wrong, but you know it's a lot more you know. They've got the finer amenities than, than what we ever dream of. So, any final thoughts on your birthday before uh, you know we, we you know before we go? I, I know we dragged this out a little bit longer than what I anticipated here, but uh, I didn't expect the Super League to dominate soccer and even sport. Just sports conversation yeah. here, you know, the last couple of days here. Yeah, because who's to say this doesn't affect some other? I mean, NBA is a global sport. Who's to say they don't affect affect them? They start. They start playing Champions League or baseball. Like I said, they play. They, they got to merge with Japan or Korea, you know, and 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 the Dominican Republic or something like that. But well, they have the World Baseball cl- uh, Classic period. that they tried that before the COVID, and yeah, it's done very well. But you know, they, they've just you know, the whole problem with doing the world things there is is everybody's on different schedules. That's yeah. that's that's the issue. So my final thoughts, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Harry, and everyone else out there. Just wish me a happy birthday. I love you guys. Thank you very much. Made the day special and um, look forward for many more. And I'm also looking forward to a couple of weeks for the for the season opener. So that's that's what I'm looking for. Hopefully we get a, get a win. Oh, you're game. fully vaccinated now too, right? Yeah, so took the Johnson & Johnson two weeks ago. No, no side effects. No headaches, no blood clots, no nothing. So I'm good to go. So I'm still wearing my mask. So even if you're fully vaccinated, still wear your mask. You know, it'll be mindful of others. But like I said, that way we're gonna have more fans, you know, in the stadiums packed for the SAFC games, and we can get to sit back in our original seats <laughs> for the next after the first five games and so forth. But um, like I said, just thank you guys again, and like I said, we'll, you know, look forward for you know for for another round like a round table for next week. So my final thought, uh, you know, number one, obviously, happy birthday to Rafa. Uh, number two, I uh, want to thank uh, uh, 
the 50-50 podcast with uh, Coach uh, Cano uh, coming on That's in. He's coming, uh, coming to uh, San Antonio, so I'm hoping there will be next year the high school coverage you know, between uh, the two can kind of help expand and maybe grow a little bit more. Uh, than what we did this year, plus being able to get out to games a little, you know, uh, and feel more comfortable uh, about doing so, uh, will be will be easier. So I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of the next steps that we can do for that. Uh, my final thought is I was able to go out and see uh, the Athenians friendly against uh, Central Texas Hornets, and it's that time of season. Uh, you know, one of the Semi blessings, I guess you could say, about the uh, you know SAFC uh, RGV match getting rescheduled is that Saturday night uh, in uh, you know at uh, Soccer Central, uh, Austin Elite will be traveling down to the Athenians, and I can tell you um, for women's soccer, it, you're going to see a lot of talent on on each side here. So I think it was what May fifteenth. Uh, as for that here, and like I said here, I know I'll be, you know, on my social media feed, be pumping it out a little bit more. Uh, but the Athenians are, are starting to come into action. Uh, looking at their roster, they won 4-0 um, over, you know, a Syntex Hornets team that that was their first, you know, uh, talking with David, you know, from them, uh, that that was their first 11-on-11, uh, you know, for that here. And they had some players show up late because, uh, I guess, 35 got shut down. So, um you know, so leave early if you're going to or from Austin, just because traffic uh, is never fun um, on a Saturday. But to me, kind of you know, switching the mode, you know, from the high schools to the semi-pro. Um, I know San Antonio Surf, uh, you know, is going to be kicking off UPSL action, um, and also the you know uh, haven't seen their you know or actually have seen their uh, uh, WPSL schedule. Um, that's going to be very heavy in June. Uh, for that here. So we're, we're mid-April at this point. Uh, May 1st, San Antonio FC uh, kicks off. Uh, if you signed up for their newsletter, um, if you haven't got tickets yet, you can still get tickets. Uh, looking at it here, there are some uh, uh, tickets still available uh, for that here, um, as little as $10. Rafa, thank you. Uh, like I said here, hope you have a uh, cake, pie, you know, whatever that you... Uh, uh, have uh, four cupcakes, you know, uh, you know, you know, for for your birthday here. Um, but what's life without goals? We out of here.